0: This episode of The Explainer is supported by daft.ie. Are you buying or selling a home? If it's for sale, it's on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, what were the ups and downs of Irish politics in 2023, and what does 2024 hold? Well, no one could accuse this political year of being a quiet one, whether at home or internationally. And it's the instability around the world that has most certainly set the tone for politics here at home. While the war in Ukraine has rumbled on, showing no sign of victory for either side, we then bore witness to the horrors of the latest conflict between Israel and Hamas in the Middle East. Climate change has also reminded us in all its extreme forms that it's the biggest threat we face today. 2023 was officially the hottest year on record. Domestically, you'd think the government would be on the pig's back. We have near full employment and the economy continues to perform well. But with a housing crisis that it just cannot seem to get a handle on, the continued cost of living challenges and public services like healthcare and education that appear to be creaking under pressure, this coalition government is not where it would like to be. This year's developing hot-button issue, immigration, is born, it would appear, from many of these factors combined, and it brought violence with it to parts of the country and to the capital city, and this issue has the potential to overshadow others in 2024, a year where there are elections in the air, we might add. So today, we're looking back at this turbulent year of highs and lows, and joining us today to do this are our political editor, Christina Finn, and political reporter, Jane Matthews, both fresh from Leinster House. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Laura.
0: So firstly, Jane, this was your first year as a political reporter. What did you make of seeing the inner workings firstly of Leinster House?
1: Yeah, so I started uh, with the journal in July. So it's about six months now. And in a way, it kind of feels an awful lot longer because I feel like so much has happened. Like my first day down Leinster House was the day that Ryan Toberty and Noel Kelly were in, in front of one of the committees. So, you know, kind of an interesting week to start and then we had the summer recess and then my first official day in Leinster House was obviously the day the doll returned and we saw the, you know, the protest outside the doll that day um, and the mock gallows and everything that came along with that. So it's been very eventful, um, but I guess like my first impression of it, like I hadn't been in Leinster House since I was in transition year, um, I had no real experience of it, but I think it, it, kind of learning that it's a very, well, a fairly well-oiled machine, you know, there's a rhythm to it every week and um, you kind of get used to that with like your cabinet and then you have leaders questions and the plinths and everything with the opposition. So it's very fast paced. But then in other ways, there, you can see that frustration there that um, things can be slow to change. Um, and, you know, you can see the politicking that goes on and the, some of the showboating and the doll and the grandstanding and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting first six months anyway. So a bit of a baptism of fire. Was it as wild as he expected it to be? Um, yeah, I think it's been <laughs> more than I expected in a lot of ways. You know, I don't, we could not never have imagined some of those scenes outside Leinster House on that first day, so. And
0: this is it, like, Tina, you've been doing this for Manny's The Year. Mm. How did this compare then to other years in Leinster House? Was the mood different?
2: Yeah, it's kind of been an interesting year because we're coming to the end of term for this coalition. A lot of people over the last uh, six months particularly have spoken around Leinster House about there being sort of a flat mood, um, a lack of energy, you know, there doesn't seem to be the same sort of drive maybe to get things over the line. And that probably just speaks to where we are, I think, within the coalition are we heading into an election next year or in 2025? That is the big question. And, you know, we did have the change over there between Micheal Martin and Leo Varadkar last Christmas. And people were expecting maybe um, Leo Varadkar to have a bit more momentum to him to get back into a stride. But that seems to have been a bit lacking.
0: And when we look back on 2023, what are the main political standouts? Let's just say what's going to show up on reeling in the years, Christina?
2: Yeah, it's been an interesting one I think from the very beginning if people can cast their minds back to January we uh, already saw two junior ministers having to step down. We had Robert Troy and Damien English um, getting into some controversy over over planning issues and also Niall Collins was sort of dragged into that as well and that all came from revelations from the the Ditch publication. So that sort of started the year off on a bit of a bad footing I think for the government and then progressing on through the year if we were thinking about where, where the real in the years, as you'd say, uh, high points would be, you know, you had U.S. President Joe Biden's visit. Which know, feels like a hundred years it ago does now, really It does really, like, yeah. Yeah. there was yeah. such hoopla over that Ballina, you know, absolutely taken over, um, <laughs> you know, the the fireworks, the flags, everything. Um we
1: kind of collectively lost their minds. I know. I, yeah, I know, interesting, was, I know that
2: it always
0: gets lots of attention, yeah. but something yeah. happened around then, I don't know, was it just the timing of it? Yeah. It was a
2: quiet news cycle, I think, at the time, so it really did capture the it imagination. It did, really, and, and like, I think people were sort of surprised to see the energy as well from Biden, you know. Um, and possibly maybe Biden coming now, it might get a pretty different Yeah, um, for For sure, seeing as where we are, I suppose, with with Gaza. Um, And then other high points, I suppose, the huge issue politically, it was RTE, there's no getting away from it. It was what got all the folks, I think, um, heading into the summer months. And then we had other things like housing, obviously was still a massive issue throughout this year. We saw a big um, debate and discussion around the lifting of the eviction ban in April. And then other issues, I suppose, that have have come along the radar, you know, the controversy over the scoliosis operations during the summer. We also obviously had Ukraine and and Gaza. And then, as we mentioned previous, the the riots in Dublin, which had really sort of, it was coming to the end of the year. I think the politicians thought they were kind of, coming to the Gap heading out for Christmas and you know this has really sort of set the tone I think heading into the new year.
0: and I think sometimes we forget that uh, people who are
2: elected to Leinster House are there to legislate. Was there any significant legislation passed this year? Yeah so you know they uh, they put out a draft um proposals for legislation every quarter so it's interesting to see how many of them they actually hit. Um, they did get through a significant amount I think This year, um, you know, ones that jumped out at me that they've been talking about for a long time was the planning bill. It's not exactly the sexiest topic to talk about, but But it does have an impact on a lot of people's lives. It certainly does. And it's a 300 page long uh, bill. So there's a lot to get through, a lot of detail. And they've been working on this a long time. Uh, The hope is that the reforms to the planning legislation is going to ramp up and speed up the delivery of housing. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see if, if that does come about. This They're kind of putting a lot of their, their eggs in this basket to, to see if this actually um, does improve things. Other um, pieces of legislation, obviously we had the body cams, um, legislation where Gardaí will be able to have cameras on them. That obviously ties into the discussion that has been happening over safety in Dublin and Dublin riots. Um, we also had the stalking and non- Fatal strangulation, um, you know, criminal uh, bill, which, you know, was really sort of standout, I think, point in terms of uh, domestic violence against women and really, you know, tackling some of the issues that a lot of people working in the sector were saying. Like we need to have a, a, a tougher stance on this. So I think there's genuine relief, isn't there, in
0: the advocacy area for the changes that came about this year on that front?
2: Yeah, like I, I think Helen McEntee hasn't had a great year, but I think no one could really doubt um, the momentum that she has been making, in particular on the the issue of of uh, women's safety. O- other. Bits of legislation, I think worth mentioning is just, you know, the we've seen the vaping legislation that's sort of uh, for under 18s. Stephen Donnelly's looking to sign that very soon. And also the right to purchase bill, you know, as, uh, another housing piece of legislation, which was long promised uh, when they were lifting the eviction ban that if people were given um, notice to quit, that they would be given an option to purchase their home. So that's still in the early days. And we'll have to see actually <laughs> does it play out well? Does it deliver for what people need? And Jane as you say you're
0: getting used to the political jostling within Leinster House in the last few months. Which opposition party do you think achieved the most in terms of getting legislation across the line?
1: Yeah so that's been an interesting one. I think um, Ivana Batchik from the Labour Party she made the point recently that uh, Labour is the only opposition party that has gotten a bill through either house of the Oireachtas, um this year. So that was the reproductive health leave bill. Um, and they got that through all stages of the Shannon and that will be brought to the doll then early next year. So that bill, um, if that becomes law, that would provide a right to 20 days leave for women who suffer um, an early term miscarriage. And it would also provide 10 days leave for employees who undergo fertility and reproductive treatment. So Labour have kind of made the point that um, there's a huge gap there at the moment for people in those situations. But I think um, another noteworthy piece of uh, legislation from the opposition was... Reed Smith's amendment um, to the Health Regulation and Termination of Pregnancy Bill. So that passed second stage in the Dáil in May um, and that bill would abolish the mandatory uh, three-day waiting period for an abortion and it would also decriminalise the provision of an abortion. So I think even people for profit were surprised at the time that that uh, did pass that stage. It was it was very tight. It was 67, 64. Um, and obviously the government had had a, a free vote on that one. So um, that's why it did pass. But yeah, there's a long way to go yet on that bill.
0: And what's your take on the best and worst parties by the end of the year? There's definitely election in the air, let's say, on some level. Do you have any take for who did the best, who did the worst?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that and I think like you, you can brush it up in different ways. I think Fianna Fáil have had an okay year towards the second half of the year. I think that was largely down to, to Michal Martin and his brief in foreign affairs. Um, I think a lot of people would agree, leaving political um, parties aside, that he has had a uh, he's handled the situation. People have been impressed with how he's handled Gaza and Israel. So I think he's kind of helped the party there in, in his brief. Um, but another, I think probably the party that's had possibly the best year, uh, well, the party that I think has had the least amount of controversy would be the Social Democrats. Um, you know they started the year very positively with uh, Holly Cairns becoming leader in March. Um, there was a lot of hype around that, and they kind of saw a small boost in the polls because of it. Now that kind of hasn't really stuck with them, I don't think. But um, they haven't had many controversies. Like I think if I was thinking about, it, and the biggest controversy they had was when Holly Cairns did that interview with um. Because the Irish Independent and they I remember she had the photo shoot and they had included the cost of her vote her oh yeah, yeah some heat cost. for that yeah and I think there was like you know a 500 euro blazer so she got a lot of heat for that but I mean if that's the worst thing to come out yeah, of the you're year you're not and you're as not you say didn't yeah. necessarily give them the bounce in the
0: polls what about you
2: Christina yeah. some of the smaller parties not necessarily gaining that momentum yeah like I think I agree with Jane that you know Fianna Fáil definitely you know Micheál Martin I think as we were saying, has kind of been carrying the party somewhat. Um, the problem is that it's not trickling down into the overall party, I think, in the polls, and that's the problem. But I think most people you speak to, um, they don't doubt, I suppose, Miho Martin's drive and ambition and, I suppose, his integrity that maybe that he brings to the job. And it's clear that when he took over, I think some people questioned, you know, when he stepped down as Taoiseach, how he would handle, you know, heading in as Taunashta. But he really has, like made big strides, I think, in the Department they of both Foreign made Affairs. They fairly
0: seamless looking yeah, and he Yeah, and
2: he did have the ministry before, so I think it's something that he kind of always wanted to get back to. So, you know, he definitely has, I think, you know, boosted the party and, and I suppose the questions that were there a year or so ago with Fianna Fáil about leadership, about... Um, you know, there was talk about Jim O'Callaghan succeeding, like all of them have just been squashed, I think, at this point. So I think they'll be happy in that regard, that it seems to be, uh, the party appears to be a bit more stable than it might have been 12 months ago. In terms of ones that perhaps haven't fared too well, you know, the Labour Party, you know, Vanna Batchik's taken over. I think they would have probably liked to see a bit more momentum um, perhaps you know, a few more points in the polls, but they they do seem to be just stuck at the moment. They do,
0: don't they? They just don't seem to be harnessing their, even the traditional Labour voter hasn't
2: necessarily come back into the fold. Why do you think that is? Is that a Sinn Féin? Yeah, like there's no doubt about it that, you know, the Sinn Féin numbers that have just, you know, over the last year, no one could really see them um, coming down and over the last number of months but it's definitely I think feeding off some of the the, the left parties you know that's the big question after the general election. Of, you know what other left parties are going to be there are they all going to be gobbled up by Sinn Féin um, so that'll be a huge concern I think to Labour um, and the people who profit and then there's that question which Labour and the Social Democrats hate being mm. asked is if they're ever going to merge I mentioned I asked Holly Kearns at the opening <laughs> it goes press down like a balloon and, by and I was booed at the press conference <laughs> for it by the Social Democrats people so I don't that think that's a good <laughs> question it, it was a question would have been asked to their predecessors Manny's yeah 100% and like you know that's that's the question they're constantly asked is
1: what's the difference between the two so look and the social democrats definitely hate it more than labour yeah hate being asked it you know like i mean we had brendan howland say recently that there is no difference between the two and even ivana bacic said yeah there is no ideological difference between the two parties um and she she has been very hesitant like she hasn't said yeah i think i can see a merger in her future like other labour tds have said um which I think says something. She hasn't ruled it out, you know. Yeah, 100%. So they're busy trying though, to maybe
0: set themselves apart and yeah. appeal to a certain base. And it's, Even uh, though Social yeah, Democrats it's, it's not what they like, need to. Firmly ruled it out. And of course, uh, the two main parties we're not discussing here are Sinn Féin and Fine Gael. And you can't listen to any mm. radio panel discussion without one of from each of these parties firing really at each other and they see each other as, as real issues. Yeah,
2: like I think Sinn Féin have had a good year this year in terms of the polls. You know, they, they haven't really faltered. They're still, you know, the most popular party in all the polls. So look, that's that's a good win for for any party. You know, I think it was 28% they were at, uh, at the last poll. But you know, they did have a fall off in the last number of polls, I think, too. So some people were questioning whether that is a trend and are we going to see that um, fall further? And that is particularly after, I suppose, the confidence, uh, no confidence motion, Helen McEntee. really didn't go the way they'd hoped. Yeah, like I think there's probably you know, questions going on within the party about whether that was a misstep because, you know, Sinn Féin can, you know, hammer the government all day and night on housing and often health as well um, and cost of living. They're the three big issues. But when the narrative and the discussion turned back onto safety and security, that's not the strong point, I don't think, of Sinn Féin. And it really only emboldened the the Fine Gaelers. You know, there was, you know, some serious... um, you know, backlash between both sides, I think. And yeah, like looking at Fina Gale, I think they'd be happy probably, you know, to head into the opposition benches at this at this stage, is my feeling. Do they feel it's a fate accompli? You like they've been day? in government so so long, you know what I mean? And um, you know, whenever the question is about who might be the next coalition um party, like some people say maybe it could be the same again, maybe it could be Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, the Greens, if the numbers were there. But, you know, most people are maybe discussing a Sinn Fein, Fáil, independence, a smaller party. Is that where we're going? And It doesn't seem, you know, Fine Gael are constantly saying, you know, they're like water and oil, Sinn Féin and and, and Fine Gael, that they can't mix. So it doesn't seem like that's a likelihood on the card.
0: And briefly, before
2: we move on, if
0: you could crown a politician as the political winner of this year, who would it be and why? I know that you've
2: both mentioned Micheál Martin, actually. Yeah, I think, you know, Micheál Martin, uh, if if you're picking a government TD, um, I think, as I mentioned, he has... I think, sailed through this year. As I was saying, you know, the Christmas turnover between him and Leo Varadkar, big questions about his future. There was talk about whether he was interested in, um, you know, the commissioner job in Europe. And if you had asked me, you know, six months ago, was Micheál Martin going to be leading the Fianna Fáil um, into the next general election? I would have been saying no way. But I think the mood seems to have changed with him. I don't know what it is, but he does seem to be firmly dedicated to leading the party into the next general election. He seems to have put down any sort of speculation about a heave against him. And, you know, maybe it is about the the Sinn Féin uh, discussion. Maybe he would say, I I asked him this at the the Fianna Fáil think-in, if his stance was softening towards a Sinn Féin coalition and he didn't say no. So some people are speculating that, look, if Sinn Féin are going to get in, it's something that he doesn't really want, but he feels that it's perhaps sort of duty that he sticks around for the Fianna Fáil party if they're going to go in and having someone, a party that has been in government for many, many years, um, you know, hitched to the wagon of Sinn Féin, maybe it's a better option. So look, I think he's had a a pretty good year and I think as well with the, the whole situation with Gaza, I think he's pretty much hit the nail on the head in terms of the position that the Irish public feel uh, should be communicated to the powers that be, be it in She's Europe. Maybe hitting the right tone, I yeah, think, there. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, but I think Leo Varadkar too, yeah, I think they've been both singing off the same hymn sheet there and, and and even people in, you know, Mary Lou MacDonald and, you know, have acknowledged that, that the two of them seem to be presenting the Irish perspective in the way that they want um, across Europe. And I think it's interesting, you know, we we have been seen as an outliers from very early on and, you know, I think they they read the room right there. And Jane, anyone standing out for you?
1: Yeah, so I think I agree, Michal Martin has had a good year, in, like in terms of an, an individual politician, he's done very well in his foreign affairs brief. But then I I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, he's the leader of Fianna Fáil and we think, you know, it's a Fianna Fáil minister that's in housing and it's a Fianna Fáil minister that's in health. So if he's, you know, he has to take responsibility for those briefs as well, I think. So I think that, to me, that kind of uh, stops him being crowned politician of the year for me. But um I think uh, in terms of opposition politicians, uh, the person I'd say who's kind of stood out for me is Paul Murphy from People for Profit in terms of the impact he's had. And I think he's done a lot of um, agenda driving things in the doll. So he, you know, he was the one who really um, highlighted the Temple Street and the CHI controversy around the use of unlicensed springs. Um, and that's, you know, that story that was broken by the ditch, I think, in September. But it was it was Paul Murphy that was raising the issue in the doll and kind of really kept focus on it. Um, and we know now that there's two investigations underway because of it. And I think he was, he, he played a significant role in that. Um, but then he also, I think he deserves credit um, and people for profit in general for uh, driving public engagement on the situation in Gaza. You know, they were very much at the forefront of leading the uh, protests and stuff that we saw on the streets. And, you know, I think that would be a defining thing when we look back on the year that was in 2023. Like that's one thing people remember, the massive demonstrations that we saw in relation to Gaza so I think he deserves credit for that as well.
2: Yeah in terms of like opposition TD just so it's not just a government TD <laughs> politician you always have to mention um, the opposite side. I think David Cullinan as well for Sinn Féin, health spokesperson um, stands yeah, he's out for me. well in health. I think things so things. Yeah. yeah like over the last year as you mentioned with the CHI controversy he really does have a great handle on the brief. I think he's worked really well at highlighting some serious um, issues within the HSE. And And he's probably surprised people, I think, when he took that brief, people weren't sure. Yeah, it's such a massive brief as well, but he really has got stuck into it. And he's he's great in the health committee in terms of um, raising some of, uh, you know, very pertinent issues. And I think you know, he, he is respectful though as well with Stephen Donnelly and the debating. There's never that sort of um adversity. They always seem to be they it's want because to kind of could help. be colleagues in I know, the next knows, couple of years. Knows, yeah. <laughs>
0: so these are the winners. Who do you think did the worst this year?
2: I think Justice Minister Helen McIntyre probably will look back in twenty twenty three and will be a bit unhappy with how it played out. She started off well in terms of a lot of people speculating that possibly she could be the next leader of Fina Gale, And now, you know, we've seen a very tough battle for her over the riots in Dublin facing down that motion of no confidence. Look, she did survive it, but I think she has been damaged, I think, over what's happened over the last number of weeks.
0: And whatever about the the riots, I think it was the walkabout in Dublin city centre with the commissioner really backfired for her.
2: Yeah, that was the press conference in Store Street, which I was at. And, you know, this was after the attack on the American tourist. And there was a lot of people, you know, raising concerns about the safety in Dublin. And she came to the press conference flanked by, you know, some senior guardee and then continued to say how she believed Dublin was a safe city and how she would walk from the three arena after a gig. Up through the up through the city, not a bother, and a lot of people were saying, Well, you know, she does have twenty four hour security guardie <laughs> with her. It's easy so, to feel safe when you're flanked by yeah, a few I, I suppose. It was a it was a strange hill for her to die on, even up until the debate in the doll um on the, the riots and on the, the confidence motion. She was still saying that Dublin was safe but then she did seem to soften her stance as as it went on and saying look I am listening to people I understand that people do have concerns that there are people out there that do not feel safe and she had to acknowledge that but I I think it was a bit too little too late Jane uh, who do you think had a really tough year this year yeah I'm going to say the same it was Helen McEntee for me
0: as well daft.ie is the preferred site for anyone buying or selling a home in Ireland whether you're taking the first steps or planning your next move Make sure you're on daft.ie, the best place to buy or sell your home in Ireland. Now, Christina, we're not due to have a general election until 2025, but something tells me a lot of people have a view that maybe we could see one in yeah, 2024.
2: God. This, is the, this is the question that gets asked the most, I think, around Leinster House every couple of days or weeks someone will, when do you think oh when do you think it's going to be and even the politicians will be asking reporters in Leinster House like what's your mood what's your sense of it do I need to get my posters out of storage and it's a spidey senses thing isn't it you start to feel it in the air <laughs> yeah yeah and I think as I was saying the the energy in Leinster House I felt over the last year has been a bit flat so that sort of gives rise to speculation that you know is someone going to pull the plug now is a good time to go but you know no matter who you ask there's always Good and bad, no matter no matter what time they choose. So some people are saying maybe they should do it at the local elections and have everybody out together for the Europeans, locals, get it all done. Maybe that's the best way. Then other people are saying, Well if if Sinn Fein does particularly well in the local elections and then you're trying to do a general election on the back of that, that's not good for the government parties. Then you would be surprised how much weather and <laughs> uh, seasons come into it because. And school know, days sco- and days Yeah, off you would be talking to politicians holidays. and they'd be like, oh, God, we couldn't, you couldn't go in November. Sure, nobody answers the door when you knock on the door. It's too dark. You know, they don't, you can't be canvassing then. And, you know, that's why we have so many, I think, you know, in in February, March, May, you know, that's the sunny. Everyone's in a better mood. Bills come into it. Are you going to? bring about election in the run up to Christmas when everyone's broke and the winter bills are hitting them. So all these things come in to factor, which, you know, before I even started reporting on politics, I wouldn't have even thought of. But these are all big factors that ultimately decide whether when they're going to go for it.
0: Jane, what's your feeling? Have you packed your lunch for the RDS and
1: (laughs) brought the flag? I was just thinking that I really hope they don't do them all together, like the locals in Europe. That would be stressful. Oh, my God. So, no, I don't don't know. I mean, you hear different things from different people. Um, I think the latest they could do is March twenty-five. I probably think it would be twenty four. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to speculate. I think maybe
0: the voters would welcome emerging because it, it it's nearly yeah, exhausting for voters, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It just goes and on. Maybe and maybe
1: turnout might be better, you know, across the board if that was the case. Um, so I was being selfish there and saying that I hope <laughs> they don't do all three at the same time. But uh, yeah, it could be interesting. But I I can't see that happening. I think it would be a, a massive undertaking.
2: Yeah. The 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 main one, like the. The most popular answer I think I've heard so far is around October, autumn 2024. Will they have the budget um, a bit early next year? um, you know, announce lots of windfalls for people, money in people's pockets and then
0: Well it was speculated that they might do that this year. It
2: didn't quite happen. Um is the
0: government trying to keep maintain a sense of control here? Do you think is there a sense that they might just call it themselves or will there be a banana skin along the way? And what are the potential banana skins?
2: Yeah, like it's it's an interesting one. I think it was Albert Reynolds said, you know, when the Fianna Fáil Labour um, coalition ended up nosediving back in the 90s that it's the little things that can trip you up. So you you never really know what issue could ultimately be the one that brings this government down, you know, or, you know, it is of Leo Varadkar's choosing. You know, he does get to ultimately decide, um, you know, what would be the prerogative. So it'll have to be, he says he's going to discuss a date at at some point in time with Mihal Martin and Ryan and they'll all come to some satisfactory answer. I'm sure it doesn't play out quite so smoothly. So look, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, a lot of money seems to be riding on autumn 2024.
0: And Jane, if the government does survive, it's usually pieces of legislation that they're trying to get through or the things that they'll hold off or anything on the horizon on that front.
1: Yeah, so there's an awful lot of legislation kind of coming down the line um, next year one of the the ones that i think a lot of our listeners might be listening or interested in is the the late licensing uh, legislation mm, yeah. um or maybe we're just interested. not in, know <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> I we're I saying Christina about our yeah. <laughs> I think you smiling at me here you're right <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, so this is anyway to change the um uh how long bars and nightclubs can open till so it would uh, if it becomes law it would mean that pubs can uh, continue serving till half 12 And clubs could continue serving until 6am. So there was, this is being driven by um, the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, and it was hoped that it would be in place by this Christmas so we could all have a late Christmas. um, But that's not going to happen now. Um, Leo Braggart told us that in the summer and he was saying he's hopeful now that that will come into place um, by next summer. The other bits of
2: legislation that people will be probably looking out for, you know, on the back of those... um, Dublin riots is the facial recognition technology which Helen McEntee had said she was going to sort of fast track through. Look it still has to go through all the jigs and rails that normal legislation does. It'll go through committee. James Lawless, um, Fianna Fáil TD, is chair of the Justice Committee and he was speaking recently about it saying look we're gonna we're gonna look at it. Uh, We'll scrutinise it. There's still concerns about you know, data protection, um, you know. Some people saying that it really isn't as effective as we'd like it to be. Yeah, there's some studies to show that it it has quite a few errors. There's other concerns about racial bias. So all these things have to, you know, be considered. It's a significant, I think, piece of legislation, one that the government want to bring in in terms of assisting the Gardaí and going through any sort of, you know, violent disorders. It it would half their work if if not speed it up hugely. So it is something they're trying to to push through. The other ones I think will be a big big talking point is the hate speech legislation. We've we've already seen a lot of um controversy about that. Some people very much against it. Um, the government saying this is necessary that our hate speech laws uh, need to be updated. So. I think and that's, that particular legislation has ruffled feathers beyond the borders. Yeah, yeah, and it has even within the government parties. You know, it was sort of delayed because there was a number of senators that had raised issues about it, and it was sort of pushed out. Helen McEntee said that she wants to get it in as soon as possible, particularly on the back of the the violence that we saw uh, on the streets of the capital. But look, I think it's going to be a very contentious, very difficult. I think. Uh, discussion. And look, I think most people just want it to be a respectful debate to listen to everyone's point of view and take as much of that on board. But I, I do think it's definitely going to be one of the, the hot talking points next year.
0: I mean, if we keep the potential election in 2024, if not 2025, in our mind's eye, Sinn Fein, the biggest party knocking at the door of Leinster House and you would have thought after the riots in November that they'd be walking quietly and confidently towards the gates of Leinster House. That qu- hasn't quite happened has it?
2: No, I don't think um, they have really you know, I think with the with the riots that happened they came out in support initially of the government and I think that was what the government would have hoped, would have carried through that there'd be more of a collegiality more of everyone united together and we put our best foot forward here but what seems to have happened with the conference of uh, motion of no confidence in Hal McEntee is they have chosen the side of where they're going to go on that they have said you know security and safety in Dublin has been you know the eye has been off the ball on that under the Fine Gael led government and you know that's where they decided to sort of I suppose, take their shots, I don't think it really played out well for them because as we said, you know, they they had a barrage of things thrown back. It really
0: back. did backfire. And when you think about it, to, to see that level of violence in a capital city and to see the Justice Minister survive quite confidently after that is interesting, isn't it? Because you can see why Sinn Féin thought it was an easy one to go for.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting to see the polls after the fact because mm-hmm. actually Helen McEntee's, uh popularity ratings actually increased after the no motion conference. So that's exactly pretty much not what Sinn Féin want. But I think when they're going into 2025, they'll be happy enough with how they've been over the last year. Look, they've stayed stable. They're still like rocketing in the in the polls. It's, I think it's about maintaining that because the closer you get to an election, the more scrutiny you're going to be under. You're going to be under the microscope in terms of your policy. That's where the focus is going to be on now because housing, they can hammer the government all day and night on it. But, you know, when it comes to alternatives, people as we get closer to election will want detail. They'll want to know exactly what Sinn Fein are going to do in government on so they housing. they be strong on policy. Yeah. And if they're going to get rid of, like Fine Gael are, are quick to point out that Sinn Fein are going to get rid of the help to buy scheme. They're going to get rid of the, the first home scheme because they say they're increasing house prices. But the people are going to want to know what the alternative is. If you're a 30 something person who doesn't have a deposit, Um, you know, and the houses are still astronomical on day two of Sinn Féin being in power, they're going to want to know what else is on offer for them. So, you know, these sort of questions are going to be coming quick and fast, I think, at Sinn Féin. And that's where they're going to have to, you know, up their game, I think, in preparation and have minute detail to offer to people. Jane, what do you think Sinn Féin will have to achieve this year?
1: Yeah, I think I agree with everything Christina was saying there. I think think they're strong when... It is on housing or it is on health or it is on cost of living. And I think because that's where the government is so, so weak, um, people are looking for an alternative and Sinn Féin have presented themselves as that alternative. But where they stumble then is around justice and immigration. And because that's where we've seen kind of public discourse in the last couple of weeks anyway, that's where they will struggle. So I think it will depend what we see happen next year um, and where they can, you kind of see Sinn Féin continuously try and bring things back to housing mm-hmm. um, because they know that's their strong point even though they do have those issues there that Christina mentioned but um, I think it it's, it's still all to play for for the next election it, it isn't; it definitely isn't in the bag for them
0: Now Christina we do have European elections coming up is this a bellwether do you think for a possible general election and how might it pan out?
2: Yeah like I think it's really going to be an interesting election probably one of the most important European elections that we've seen in quite some time. I think there's a big focus on European elections now, maybe more so than in the past people haven't been so engaged with European politics. Um, it's, it's hard to sell the European
0: system isn't it when it when it comes to it, it's hard to have that kind of engagement with your MEP I think.
2: Yeah, very much so and, and people don't often think that the legislation that comes through Leinster House has originated in Europe and it's it's being transposed, you know, so a lot of the legislation that we're dealing with day to day, its it's been in the works for a long time from Europe. And I think European MEPs have been trying to get that message across that like, hey, we're over here. Uh, please pay attention to what we're doing. But I think now with the focus particularly on issues of immigration, um, I think with the focus on the uh, conflict with Gaza and, and Israel, um, I'm just thinking, you know, Ursula von der Leyen's uh, take uh, and her tweet uh, early on in, in in October about Europe pledging unwavering support for Israel and the reaction that that had back home. I think people are starting to sit up a bit more and pay attention to what is going on in Europe and and saying, you know, am I being represented and who does represent me and what exactly is happening over there and, and how does it affect me?
0: We've so I, seen that with climate bills, haven't we, when it comes to climate legislation and also there's a lot at stake. We see the what's happening with Viktor Orban and recent votes in Europe. It, there is a lot happening and, and we do need a focus.
2: Yeah, and I think that people would often think that Europe is, you know, maybe a talking shop, that they all talk and they all agree. And we've seen, you know, particularly with recent times, Viktor Orban on, on the Ukraine issue and also with you know, calls that Ireland are trying to make just to get a ceasefire called. You know, we can't even get the European countries to agree on that. So it really does speak to, I suppose, the importance of having a voice at the table and making sure that the people that are speaking for you are putting forward, you know, your viewpoint and where Ireland stands in a certain position. So I think people probably will pay a bit more attention, I think, for to these elections and, and who they are going to be sending over to represent them. Jane, what's your reading on the European elections? Are you getting a sense of where they're going to
0: go?
1: I don't know yet, to be honest. I think we're still, uh, we have a long way to go. But I think um, from speaking to a few MEPs and stuff, like Maria Walsh stood out you could see she she was quite frustrated i think that people aren't as engaged here with what's happening in Europe and she was saying you know what more can we do to 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 get people involved um, and she kind of made the point that this next year's election is going to be she was saying one of the most important in terms of um the EU's direction as a whole for the next however many years to come so i think um people should You know, pay attention. And I know we're going to be doing an awful lot of work in the journal to to keep people um, informed on what's happening in Europe. So I I think it definitely is going to be an important election in terms of um, if we see a shift to the right, um, which is something we need to watch out for. And it might be the locals in particular here. I think will give an indication for where we kind of go at the generals then.
0: And that rise of the right, Chris, you know, we've been banging the drum about this in in many circles like here at the Journal and in other outlets. And maybe the government a bit slow to catch up on what's actually been happening. And we saw it play out there in November in the capital city. How will the government address this rise of the far right now?
2: I think it's a, a difficult question even for politicians to answer. I'm not sure they really know how to deal with it, how to tackle it, as you said, A lot seem to be saying they just hope that the narrative or the drum beating is going to disappear. And we clearly see that that is not the case. I spoke to Mary Lou MacDonald recently and asked her if she was in power, how would her party be dealing with it? She was very much of the view about communication with people, putting forward the facts, but not shutting down debate on immigration. I think politicians, particularly since the Ukraine War have struggled very much so to have a conversation about immigration because they're scared of, of of towing that line of of what way it's going to come across. People often put their foot in it, or they say something um, that could be misinterpreted or could be interpreted in another way. So I think politicians have been slow to address some of the issues that the far right are feeding off, basically, particularly on housing as well. I think. One way to to tackle the far right is to get a grasp on on the issues that people are feeling disenfranchised about and ensure that the far right aren't feeding off vulnerable people who feel that they're not being listened to are not being answered to or are not being getting delivery from their government. so I think it's a very difficult one for for any government to deal with in the next year. It's
0: a really tricky line to walk when you think that we have near full employment. Our economy on paper looks great, but the provision of public services, housing, the big, big issue for for some years now, and they cannot seem to get a
2: handle on that one. That's the big issue facing them. Yeah, I think the gaping hole between um, people now and the haves and the have-nots is just gotten wider and wider, it seems, even though, as you say, full employment and um, the economy and corporation tax seems to be flowing in, people aren't seeing that sometimes, I don't think, in their everyday life. And that's that's the difficulty there, I think, in terms of the government to try and bring people with them. You know, obviously, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, they want people to be brought into the centre of politics and not go wavering to either side. But when... You know, when someone is there giving you all the answers or what you want to hear, you know, this is why people are tempted to follow uh, such people. We knew that immigration was an issue. We didn't have immigration
0: as our hot button issue for 2024, but it does seem to be teeing up as that. You'd imagine climate, legislation, all of the really important stuff that needs to be done will take a back seat now when they have to fight these fires.
2: Yeah, it's like one of the most recent polls, I think, put immigration as, I think, number three in people's concerns. And then I think the rise of the far right came in at number four. Um, that was ahead of healthcare. You know, that's like a surprising poll to see, but that's where we are. Um, we haven't had that sort of debate, I don't think, in Ireland, while other European countries have for, for many, many years. So Ireland I think is on a bit of a back foot. I remember speaking to one minister about I'd say about three years ago and they were saying immigration is going to be the next battlefield. And I I was saying, Really, like, you know, is that is that coming down the line? They could they said for sure, like we're the last country that has really had to grapple with this and, and you know, we need to, to be prepared. But clearly, you know, that was three years ago and it, it has landed and you know, they're very difficult conversations, I think, for people to have. And as I said, No politician wants to come off um, looking one way or the other. So I I think 2024, it's when people will have to start finding, I suppose, the words and having that respectful debate listening to people and not letting it go down I think the roads that we've seen it go down in the last number of months
0: Yeah I think political courage is needed on this front to walk that line it's a tough one to walk but it would be great to see if they did have it um, Speaking of courage and um, the final question are you feeling brave when it comes to the Auras?
2: Oh God yes another one I know I can't believe that's now 2025 so we have to get through locals Europeans a referendum and that's the election where most <laughs> of us just feel like pulling the blanket over our heads yeah. it's just much isn't it? The presidentials are great great fun of elections there you never know what is going to turn turn up and even when you follow them from the early stages where people are trying to seek the nominations and they're doing the, the hustings around all the councils around Ireland and they're making their pitch it's almost like a a dragon's den scenario it's where it's a little bit American in, in a very, way. It's, it's sort of half all a bit the dragons of show business. that were in it. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, a few more maybe, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I think. Who knows? You know, there's loads of names in the mix in terms of Bertie Ahern and To Kenny. Um, you know, Jerry Adams. Although Mary Lou McDonald said that, told me that he has no interest in running. So maybe he'll rule himself out and you know, then other women like Mary McGuinness, we were saying, yeah, and Frances, Frances Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald yeah, in so, Interesting, yeah, Frances Fitzgerald is is bowing out of, yeah, of Europe this year. Yeah, so. very interesting that a, a good few MEPs have decided to, to set sail, and the bigger question then is, well, what's, what are they looking to on the horizon there? So, look, a natural one perhaps is, is the RS. It's it's a nice gig, I think, if you can get it. But I think it's it's a it's a, it's, it's getting a, there. It's a tough one. It's a bit of problem. it's a
0: bit of a fight, isn't yeah. it? And speaking of fighters, we have to talk about Conor McGregor. He, is he serious about
2: going for the Oris? Do you think? Who knows? He seems to to be putting his intentions out there. Um, I think you know. As I said, he there's a tough road to get there. You have to make your pitch or you have to get a number of TDs to sign off. Yeah, your it's, not, it's not just a case of put your name down mm. in the box and that's it. It's There's a bit of a nomination process there. Yeah, there. yeah. And most people seem to go through the, the, the council route is, is the obvious one. But who knows, uh, it would certainly make for an interesting uh, presidential election to cover. Um, Honestly, anything is possible at this stage. I, I know. We're just living in one of those eras
0: in humanity. Anything is possible. So look, thanks so much to both of you for giving us the lowdown from Leinster House for 2023. I think we need to button down the hatches with the elections coming down the track one way or another. So thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Laura.
0: This episode of The Explainer was supported by daft.ie With the largest number of properties for sale in Ireland and being the number one preferred site among buyers and sellers, daft.ie is the best place to buy or sell your home. Thanks so much to Christina Finn and Jane Matthews for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by the Journal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to TheJournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.